Houston, like all Southern cities, is struggling to address the slavery in our past. So far, the biggest flashpoint sits right at the heart of my alma mater, Rice University. Smack in the middle of Rice's main quad, there's a bronze statue of Rice's slaveholding founder, William Marsh Rice. For nearly a year, students held daily Down with Willie sit-ins, demanding the statue's removal. Today, I am talking with CityCast correspondent and 2020 Rice graduate Rachel Carlton about those protests, and also about the university's effort to make things right. It's Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Lisa. So for people who did not go to Rice, Tell us who Willie is. What is Willie's statue? Yes, Willie's statue. Well, when you come to Rice as a prospective student or you're just visiting our beautiful campus, you'll see a statue that's kind of towering above everything else in the quad because there's nothing else in the quad. He's basically the only thing there. Right smack in the middle. Right, right. This um, very austere statue we're taught that he's this rich businessman, made a lot of money um, trading stuff, kind of, something like that, and chartered the university uh, in like 1891. And we find out that he was actually murdered by his butler. So that's the big story when you get to the statue. That was the only thing that I could have told you about William right. Marsh Rice when I was an undergraduate. Murdered by his butler. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a great story. It yeah. is a great story. And with that kind of novelty around the statue and around our founder, he's incorporated in everything in Rice life. Our pub is named after him. It's Willie's Pub. Willie Week, which is our big spring celebration that we have as an undergraduate. And you'll see his statue decorated throughout the year for pranks. Um, it'll be photoshopped with a pumpkin on it for Halloween, that kind of thing. Yeah. Santa hats. Yeah. Whenever Houston got an eighth of an inch of snow, Rice students used to like scrape together whatever they could and build like a three-inch snowman and put it in Willie's lap. Yeah, I, I only saw snow like one time at Rice, I think. But I do remember the little snowman yeah. thing. It's a cute picture. I mean, like I think of the classic picture of Rice being that view through the giant arch at Lovett Hall, the classic beautiful building at Rice. And right through the arch, you see the statue framed. And that's the view. That's what people think of when they think about Rice University. That's very, very iconic. And in the base of the statue are his ashes as well, which is a weird thing that you find out when you're a student. Right, that this place everybody is sitting around is actually a tomb. Right. So what is the problem with Willie's statue at Rice? There is a lot of controversy surrounding the statue because of our founders' implications with slavery and the slave trade. Not just implications, but he actually himself owned 15 slaves through defaults on other people's loans. Um, he did actually purchase a few himself. And in addition, when he chartered the university, he made sure to specify that the university would be for the white inhabitants of the city of Houston and the state of Texas. So this is stuff that we don't really talk about in undergrad, definitely not as a overarching Rice community. And it's not something I knew until my senior year. 
So I graduated in 2020. 2020 is kind of when everything exploded with the statue, figuratively. There were no actual explosions. There were no explosions. Bombs, but <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But if we go back to 2019, there's actually a great paper by a Rice student who was advised by our Pulitzer Prize winner in history, Dr. Kayla McDaniel, titled uh, Remembering Rice, How Should the University Acknowledge and Represent Its Founders Past? But um, this paper kind of sets out to the administration, hey, we need to take action and we need to change something about the statue. Um, March 2020 is when the campus kind of shut down for COVID. And 2020 is the same year where there's a reckoning on police brutality in the United States. Um, After George Floyd's death. Absolutely. Uh I'm not sure if you're in it, Lisa, but there is an alumni page on Facebook called Let's Be Honest, We Can't Get a Million Fans for Rice University. Oh, I have seen that one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of where a lot of this back and forth went down. On June 8th, you see a very, again, a very benign post by the administrator saying, hey, this is the 90th anniversary of the dedication of Willie's statue. Post your favorite picture. But maybe a week later is um, an op-ed comes out in, in the Thresher, which is Rice University's student newspaper, saying, let's replace Willie's statue with a statue of Raymond Johnson, who was Rice University's first black student to attend. And that was there was a whole op-ed about that. You start getting pushback from students to the point where there's actually a whole movement called Down with Willie. And you see that on the alumni Facebook page, there's not the same sort of conversation that the current students or the just graduated students are having. So what were the alumni saying on that page? It gets kind of ugly. It's it very much feels like a generational divide playing out on Facebook. It's very heated. So you'll see someone say, King David of the Bible owned slaves. And um, should we destroy the statue of David by Michelangelo? Many of the heroes of the Texas Revolution owned slaves. Should we forget them? And we had students really feeling like they were fighting for their lives against alumni who felt that this discourse around the statue was not warranted. Because, I mean, you also went to Rice, right, Lisa? Yeah, And honestly, I hadn't seen any of that. I see posts from that page sometimes. Yeah. I was surprised to hear that there had been any alumni pushback. Oh, there was was a lot. And so in 2020, we're just talking about students saying, we have to take this statue down. It is glorifying a slave owner and white supremacy on a campus where we were one of the last universities to desegregate because of a lawsuit mired in this hole. Are we allowed to break the founder's will and allow in black students? Yeah, exactly. I am still surprised to hear that so many people hold the statue sacred. When I was a student back in the late 80s, people were fond of Willie's statue, but we weren't reverent. I mean, While I was there, there was this group of engineering students who built a structure to lift the statue off its base. And then they snuck in with that in the middle of the night and they turned Willie 180 degrees so that he faced the ugly library for the first time. (laughs) Which I still have no conception of how that happened, but. (laughs) 
Oh, it was the world's greatest prank. I got to cover it for the student paper. Oh, that's awesome. But, you know, everybody loved that prank. You know, there was some grumbling that the statue should have been more sacred, and the administration got very cranky and, you know, threatened to do bad things to the students who'd done it. But basically, people thought it was hilarious. You know, it wasn't that the statue was not something to be messed with. And so I'm surprised there's pushback. And I think even as a recent alum, I see that as well. When in my four years from 2016 to 2020, Willie, again, was, I wouldn't say sacred at all. It was a, I mean, we were calling our founder Willie instead of William, you know, it's a, right. wasn't very sacred. And you're putting sacred. pumpkins on his head. I Absolutely. Mean... <laughs> right. Yeah. I think Rice University's plan, the one that they released is really interesting because they're trying to like honor everybody. So can you describe some of that? I can. And I would like to point out that all of this is in response to movements by students, specifically by a student, um, Shifa Rahman, who actually on August 31st, 2020, was just like, hey, I'm going to sit at this statue every day until the statue is removed. And it's uh, it picked up a lot of steam. There's a whole, um, I guess, a group chat about it. There's over 300 students in there right now. Wow. And so students are really taking aim at this. Um, and actually in early January, there was, I don't know if you heard about the earth cam that was supposed to be at Rice. Did you hear about that? Oh, was this the spy cam that students yes. were freaking out about? Yes. That well, would like be on top of the library looking down on the quad? Right. It wasn't supposed to be a spy cam. No, The administration it didn't present it that way. No, they didn't present it that way, but the immediate response from students was this this camera that you're putting up, it's on 24-7. Are you trying to stop us from protesting in a not-so-subtle way? Because that's what everyone took it as. Now, the administration has said that is not was not their intention, that from six stories up, you can't even see anyone's face, and you can't zoom in. But then students did figure out that you could zoom in. So, you know, there was all of that. They did yeah. end up taking that down at the end of January. And um, about a week later is when the administration had their official response about what they would actually do with the statue. So this is almost a full two years later. Okay. So they had appointed a committee that went away and studied things. And what did they come back with? So what they decided, they said that they would take Founders Memorial and move it, just move it somewhere different in the quad. So it still stays in the academic quad. Uh, it will have information about the founder, they say, including his ownership of enslaved people and his broader entanglement with the institution of slavery. And Rice plans to redesign that whole central quad, right? So they said they're going to move the statue. Um, and then they said they will put up a monument of similar prominence in terms of both location and visibility to commemorate the beginning of the integration of the university. Um, so in theory, they have covered moving the statue out of prominence. They're going to put another statue up or, you know, some sort of monument. And they'll also just put other artwork in the quad. The, the quad that you imagine as, a, as when you were a student will not exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of fine with that because I always thought the space was deader than it ought to be that it ought to be a place where people hang out more. But I don't I, know what the new plan will be. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's all you really have are some trees in that statue, so there's not a whole lot going on. But yeah, um, the student response to that was, well, first of all, you said we couldn't move the statue at all because his ashes are in the base. You said that that would cause some legal issue. So that's that was one reason that was given that the statue couldn't move. So wait, the students are pushing back on this plan? Yeah, they're, I mean, you, you know, they're, yeah, yeah, they definitely are. You have students saying, I mean, hey, we appreciate that they took something into consideration and did recognize that our founder needs to be contextualized, but really all you're doing is trying to placate both sides and really it seems like one side is getting the upper hand here, which is the statue gets to stay. Yeah. Is there a plan for what they'll put in the middle of the quad yet to take the place of that statue? I believe they have architects working on a plan right now. Uh, we got that email January 26th. Yeah, so that's just like they're looking for like a general plan and then they'll commission new statues and stuff. So, all right. I want to like start thinking about what goes there. Or maybe I want to bring back those alumni who turned the statue around all those years ago and <laughs> have them move things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Rachel. This has been fun. Well, not fun, exactly. Interesting. It's been interesting. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you, Lisa. I definitely like hearing your perspective as a Rice student way back then. Is that rude? Way back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And now it is time for a little bit of Houston news. Uh, I'm here with producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell, what do you know? Lisa, remember last week when I reported to you about Mattress Mac placing the largest mobile wager ever for the Super Bowl? How could I forget? What happened? Well, he crossed the state line two times. First time was early last week. He drove to Caesars Sportbook, placed $4.5 million on the Bengals there. But then on Friday, he crossed the state line, pulled over at a rest stop. This is according to ESPN. In Louisiana. He, in Louisiana. Uh -huh. And placed an additional $5 million bet on his mobile device. That was the largest mobile bet ever uh, from his truck. I was a little hazy on that detail last week. So... It is legal within the Louisiana state line, so it's kind of like crossing over the county line to get a bottle of whiskey if you live in a dry county, that sort of thing, except gambling. From the privacy of your truck. From the <laughs> privacy of your probably very big truck. But yeah. So here's what happened. The Bengals were a four-and-a-half-point underdog, meaning that because they only lost the Super Bowl by three points, they covered the spread. But there was a crazy turn. It turns out that Mattress Mac didn't bet the point spread. He bet something called the money line, which means that he took the underdog to win outright. So he lost both of those wagers. Oh, so if he had just made the standard bet, he would have won, was it $10 million? $10 million. That's right. Probably yeah, he would have had to pay a little bit in juice, but yeah. And also the article I quoted last week said that Mackinville said he would be in the doghouse if his wife, with his wife, if he lost that one. Well, Check this out. According to ESPN, he has famously lost uh -oh. $18 million since the beginning of 2022, and it's only February. So he lost $9.5 million on the Bengals. He lost $2 million on New England, $700,000 on the Titans, and he lost $610,000 on Alabama. He's lost every single one of them, and that is what you call snake bit in the terminology of gambling. <laughs> wow. 
Is that a business expense or does he get in, have insurance? I don't know. He said he was sorry for the customers. He was planning to trickle those winnings down to them if he won. But So if, if, if the Bengals won, then people who bought a bedroom suit or something would get their money back? He was going to give them a refund. That's right. Oh. So ESPN caught up with him yesterday to get his thoughts on the loss. And this is what he said. He said, I got up this morning, I put on my big boy britches, and I went to work. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for today's show. If you all like what you're hearing, please think about signing up for our newsletter. It is kind of like the show, but also kind of different. It is at houston.citycast.fm. We will be back tomorrow. See you then. Bye. It was the X-Men comic books, which were new at the time. They were cutting edge back then.